Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Transfer window is now shut. 12 incomings, 20 outgoings if you want to count the contract expiries. So it was definitely a busy summer for Millsworth Football Club. Uh, But in this podcast, we were joined by Craig Johns and Dom Shaw from the Gazette. And we're going to break the whole transfer window down, including the incomings, the outgoings. And of course, we answer your podcast questions. So let's do it. Let's give you all of your Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy, it's the transfer! Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast, the transfer review show with Johnny, Dana and Tom. And tonight we're joined by Craig and Don from the Gazette to discuss all of the transfer chatter in a podcast. So let's get to it, guys. 12 incomings, 20 outgoings, if you want to count the uh, expired deals, the end of the loans and stuff like that. But to kick things off, guys, I just want to hear your feelings uh, in three words. So who wants to kick things off? How would you sum up Borough's transfer window in three words? Tom, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd probably say strengthened very well. I think um, going in, into the end of last season, we we kind of all saw where the problems were. Um, we have probably for the last couple of seasons. Um, and I think we've got the right players in there. I think the likes of uh, Uche and Crooks, uh, who I mentioned on, on last week's pod, they're, they're kind of having them, uh, you know, seven out of ten, eight out of ten players up the top. Uh, every week now, as as, as well as uh, the ones we signed at the back uh, and then sold this year as well. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say that's what was missing from the team, um, as as well as a couple of other positions. And it, it feels it feels good, like when when the fans can kind of see something, and then you know during the summer the the club actually acts on it and, and brings in the right players. So excited to see what what it brings to the rest of the season. Long, th- long three words, I admit. Um, but we've got Dana. Uh, what are you going to go for? <laughs> I'll probably say promising times ahead, just because I think there's a new... It, it seems anyways, though, there's a bit of a new direction that Borough are going in in terms of a, a transfer recruitment policy. So, I'd, yeah, I'd probably say I'm always caught off by these new three-worded questions, so I need to think about these a little bit more. But I'll probably say promising times ahead. Promising times ahead. Uh, Dom, Craig... Go on, go on, Dom first. Yeah, we'll go on, Dom first. Go on. Three I'll, words. I'll go. 
Uh, yeah, I'll go active, shrewd, intriguing. I know they're just three random words rather than than, um, <laughs> than a sentence as such. Um, I think 12 incomings in what was always going to be a difficult window is is, uh, is credit to Borough. Shrewd in terms of, uh, I think, um, signing the likes of Uche Piezo and Matt Crooks, ready-made championship players, but also kind of making a step up and hungry to impress. And then intriguing speaks for itself, the likes of Martin Piero, <clears throat> uh, James Lea Saliki, um, you know, those kind of unknown unknown quantities, really, in the championship anyway. I think we're all excited to see how they how they fare this uh, this year. Yeah, good, good three words. And Craig? Yeah, I wish you'd have come at me before, Dom, because how do I follow that? But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go over um, exciting new direction, similar to has, has been said. You know, the, the we're at the start with the kind of more Warnock signings, if you like, to, to build the foundations and to make sure that, um, you know, there was a steady squad there ready for the championship. But I think the second half of the transfer window, we did see the start of this new exciting direction, this new exciting transfer policy and and these more, you know, unknown quantities that do bring excitement. Um, we saw that more in the second half of Burroughs transfer window. So yeah, exciting new direction. I'll go with. Yeah, I was gonna say that uh, the new direction as as my three. I think we are in a in a place where we're looking to plan probably after Warnock now. Um but Craig, I, I wanna come to you first, um just for the first question tonight. And I wanna ask what was Borough's strategy this window? Because like you were saying there, there was two parts of it. There was one building that foundation, then there was two that was quite out of the box, wasn't it? So what was Borough's strategy for, for the window? Yeah, so I, I kind of wrote a piece for, for uh, Teesside Live after the window, kind of reviewing the window. And and as, as you said, I kind of described it as, you know, almost two transfer windows rolled into one. It was this uh, kind of cocktail of mixing the two. And, um, you know, it started uh, with this pragmatic approach to it. We we could all see the weaknesses that the Borough squad had last season and and where, you know, certain things needed improving, for example, with Ikpiazu and needing that focal point up front. That was one of the most obvious ones. Um, so, yeah, we started Borough's transfer window kind of getting, as I said, the more worn players the the championship experience and and creating those foundations to then move on to the second part of the transfer window which was this new exciting direction this new um, I think it's clear this new kind of uh, policy that Borough are going to look to go down now, where they're, they're going to be looking for, you know, untapped potential, hidden gems, players who they believe have potential to come in for a, for a price, develop at the club and then be sold at, for a profit later on down the line. Um, and yeah, so I think, but I think, you know, because the squad was so thin and as you said, there were so many players who left in the summer I don't think you could have gone with that direction from the very start of the window and signed, you know, if we're sitting here now with 12 Martin Piero-esque signings, I don't think we'd be able to be as optimistic about the season ahead because, you know, they need time to, to you know, to get used to the league. They need time to settle in. So, and, and you know, we saw, for example, I think the last time the club tried something like this, um, was it the Golden Thread they called it and they brought in Dyke Steele and they brought in Bowler. But what they didn't have around them was enough experience and enough, um, you know, championship quality around them. And, and they were kind of thrust into it in a, you know, a, a prominent position 
probably too early for them. So what happens this time is the likes of Pierre or Saliki, Spora, they can come in and, and there isn't as much pressure on them because they've got the earlier signings and because there's a bit more foundation around them. So there's a bit of time for them to settle in and to gel and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I think that was um, why we didn't see that kind of full throttle new direction, why we saw some more pragmatic signings first before then moving on to that. And then I think moving forward, we'll see that direction a lot more as we go forward. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think the way that we're starting to plan in the future a lot more now in comparison to previous seasons is quite telling. Um, and I think you're absolutely right where we might see this probably continue in the future. And I think we'll do that probably with the the new head of football, Kieran Scott. And Dana, with, with the 12 players that we've came in, was do you think Kieran Scott was probably the best piece of business Borough actually made in, in, in general? Because... You know, yes, we've brought in a lot of players, but yes, some of them for the future. But I feel like Kieran Scott could be the man to really kickstart this revolution as well. Yeah, I think I mentioned it on one of the podcasts that we did that Kieran Scott could be the best business of the summer. And I mean, it's what we've wanted on the podcast for so long is that we've spoke about it before of having this new direction of basically a football nut to oversee the footballing decisions. And I'd love to hear an interview with Kieran Scott just to know him outlining his plans. And hopefully we can get that from Borough soon, but definitely, I mean, he, him coming in is, I think one of those markers that Borough laying down where they're saying, right, this is what we're moving into now it's been long overdue um you know thankfully it's it's come about now and I I don't know whether he's had an influence on the transfer sort of recruitment already Dom and Craig you might know more about that but it's definitely promising for the times ahead of Borough bringing in somebody that can oversee a new direction for the club yeah well well Dom well he might Dom might be able to answer your question there uh, Dana so like with, with Kieran Scott coming in Dom do you think this this is probably the start of a, a new strategy for Borough? Do you think he's going to continue uh, to develop this current strategy that Borough have now, which is a bit more pragmatic with a with a hint of experience? No, I think I think it, it's been clear this season that there's been a bit of a balance in that um, the the players who have been signed with this new strategy in mind, and then the players who who um, Neil Warnock had identified and who'd uh, underpin a successful Neil Warnock team. And I completely agree with Craig that. Um, if if you're going to go, if you're going to take a new approach, a new strategy, you can't just click your fingers and, and overnight, you know, to because you've got however many players who are already here who suit the, the previous approach. Um, again, completely agree with Craig. I think when you look back to the, you know, the golden thread summer, Borough were clearly onto something there. You look at Mark Ball and Anthony Dyke Steele, and you know, I I believe if Marcus Brown had been a bit, uh, well, it hadn't been as as unfortunate last season, then he'd have been firmly part of the plans this season. Everything Neil Warnock was saying was was suggesting that would be the case. Um, and I think he's he fits into the he, he's the type of player, like the fluid forward player that Warnock's looked for this summer. Um, but but I think yeah, th- this summer it's been clear that Borough are. Uh, taking a new taking a new approach and and speaking to those who uh, know Kieran Scott at, at Norwich who've kind of followed the work he's done um first things first I think it's you know his, his, his knowledge of players is immense um and you know whether or not or how hands-on well he hasn't been hands-on because obviously he hasn't officially joined but I think there's still kind of signs of his fingerprints in what Borough have done this summer um I read a piece with him 
uh, he'd done an interview. It was with Norwich after Norwich had gone up and he was talking about the signing of Emi Buendia. Um, and Buendia was playing, I think it was in the Spanish second tier at the time on, on loan. Um, and he watched him and he watched him countless times and, and he couldn't believe that Norwich were the only team, the only club watching him. Um took the punt and, and kind of said, you know, there were, there were a million reasons not to sign him, but he, he trusted his judgment. He trusted what he'd seen. And I think, you know, listening to Scott and reading Scott, he'll talk about the importance of judging a player's character. Um, you know, if he gets substituted, how do they respond? If he misplaces a pass, how does he respond? That That's kind of commonplace in football, isn't it? You would expect every kind of recruitment chief to do that. We, You know, you, you've got to kind of assess the character of the player as well as, as well as the quality. Um, but I do think it's an exciting, exciting new approach. Um, and, and given the state of the market at the minute and, and the markup on, on talent in England, it, it makes complete sense from a financial point of view as well. Um, and, and from a fan's point of view, there is, there, there's something exciting, isn't there, about going in and having eyes on a player who you haven't seen a lot of, how he's going to adapt, how he's going to cope. Um, so, you know, we haven't we haven't seen a couple of the players playing Borough shirts yet, but I, I do think it's it's an exciting time. But I also think there's there's a need for patience. Um, this you know this has to be a bigger picture approach, um, and come and, and you know mix that with the kind of um, Warnock more style players who've brought in. Hopefully, it's a nice balance this season, and I think Borough might um, might have a good chance. Yeah, well, with that, it's interesting that you've both mentioned, well, Dom and Craig, you both mentioned the golden thread and, and that need for patience. But like, I'm interested to see what you think the difference is now from that previous golden th- golden thread, really. Because is it is it just was it just the manager now having more experience? Do you think it's the difference, Craig, or do you think it's a case of Middlesbrough have kind of learnt from the initial experience and thought, right, we need to go in a slight different direction to improve it? I think there's there's many factors. I think, yeah, Warnock's definitely a factor. It was clear he brought more out of Dykesdale and Bowler. And, um, but I think also it's it's what was around those players as well. I think in an ideal world, from from what I can gather, obviously I wasn't covering Borough at the time, but what, from what I can gather at that time when when Bowler, Brown, Dykesdale were brought into the club, they probably weren't brought into the club to be as, I, I used that word last time, like prominent and as, you know, as, as used as much as they were in that first season at the club because they probably weren't ready to be as used as they were at that point. You know, it it might have been helpful if there was more senior players around them who, you know, maybe could have took them out of the firing line and and put somebody else in, etc. at that time. But, you know, Borough just didn't get that at that time. And so it it added extra pressure to those three players in particular. Um, Whereas, as I said, this time there were more solid foundations. So you look at, for example, Piero coming in. He hasn't played much yet. We haven't seen much of him yet because... Warnock is giving him a bit of time to adapt uh, and to, you know, because he's uh, to come and learn, you know, the English game. Uh, and he can do that because he's brought in Matt Crooks as well, who was already ready made for the Premier League, uh, for the Championship, sorry. Um, you know, he's br- bringing in Spora, who's had a difficult time in Portugal. He's had a difficult 18 months there, but he can give him a bit of time. He doesn't have to th- um, throw him straight in and kind of hope for something because Iqpiazu's there. And I think that's for me the biggest difference that should make this more successful this time is that there's better foundations you know within the rest of the borough squad um which should ease their you know if they you like their their um settling in period 
I think yeah. the other thing, sorry, sorry to butt in, I think the other thing no. is um, it, it, it was a struggling team last time and it, and it was a team very much in transition. And I, I don't, you know, Jonathan Woodgate would happily admit now that he um, probably didn't quite appreciate how difficult it was going to be to kind of take the, the Tony Pulis shine off the side and try and put his own spin on things. So obviously these players were brought in with a certain approach in mind, but I think, you know, it didn't take many games for what Woodgate to realise, well, actually, this is going to have to be a lot more gradual than, than what I planned. And then when you've got a young player coming up to play in a play, in a league that they've never played in before for a team that are struggling, you know, it's, it's not really a cocktail for success, is it? Yeah, well, I was. It's interesting that because there could be a, a nice, well, a, another parallel because, you know, Tony Pulis, Jonathan Woodgate, Neil Warnock, who's the next manager coming in. So, like Dana, is it important that Borough get that next manager absolutely spot on? Because if we are going to continue this golden, golden thread, uh, like strategy, um, is it really vital that Borough starts to look ahead for, for the next manager and try and get this one spot on? Yeah, it's definitely going to be Kevin Blackwell, isn't it? But no, I think it, it, I mean, it's, it is important because we obviously don't want a bit of a reset like what it was essentially between Jonathan Woodgate and, and Neil Warnock and rebuild. And we don't want another rebuild, really. Um, but it will be interesting because Deborah do a complete change around and, and go for a manager that is a flip opposite style to Neil Warnock or do they bring in a manager that's a little bit more not too not million miles away from from Neil Warnock's style of play I'm, I'm not so sure to be honest and I think there's managers there that I think obviously where before Russell Martin went to Swansea he was one that I think Borough fans were were talking about because he obviously has that style of play where you bring the ball out from the back but I, I don't know whether Borough will go go forward with that. I do look at our players and in terms of personnel, I do think that eventually we could be a team that plays out from the back in that sort of way. But obviously, as, as Don was mentioning there, in terms of the sort of gradual uh, progression, you can't expect to go from a Neil Warnock side to a Russell Martin-like side in you know a, a matter of months or, or even a season. So I, I don't really know what what the next step is for Borough it's I think intriguing and worrying in equal measure really because as you said Johnny I think we have to get it right the next time because we don't want a another sort of situation where we are having a firefighter manager come in and, and try to save us from a, a disastrous uh, managerial spell yeah Mark Robbins anyone Coventry no anyone well, he's doing, well, he's doing a good job with Cov. He's doing a good job with Cov. So I, I don't know. There's there's managers out there. I think David Artel from Crew is someone that wants to obviously bring manage uh, bring managers bring players from the academy. He could potentially be one as well. You you never know. There's some managers out there that are good shouts, but I don't know what Borough are thinking. It's it, as as I said, it's intriguing and worrying in equal measure. Yeah, well, you never know. Warnock might sign another five year deal. You you just never know, <laughs> do you? <laughs> That's probably likely. <laughs> just a just contractal death. Uh, just keeping forever. With <laughs> uh, Tom, that, that transitional period, um, it really did start, obviously, this summer. 20, like I mentioned at the start of the show, there's 20 players left in the summer, if you want to count the likes of Britt, Fletcher, Bettinelli, Mendes, Lang, Cabano, Balassi. Um, but there was a couple in the, in, in the last day or so that were quite a surprise. But which player were you surprised by the most in terms of like leaving this summer? I'd say probably Sam Morsing, um, just because I really didn't expect it to happen. Obviously, there was there was that rumor around a month ago that 
you know, Ipswich were looking at him and everyone on Twitter kind of took it as a joke. They were like, why would he want to move to Ipswich? Like, yeah. it's, it just doesn't make any sense. And then for it to just kind of come out of nowhere, like in, in the last couple of days of the, the window and, and actually go through, it was it was still quite a surprise because I feel that, like that leaves us light in centre midfield now in, in terms of... Um, uh, you know, ball winning midfielder. I think Johnny Housen or I mean Paddy McNair might be able to play that, but I don't really want to see it. Um, but <laughs> I, I, no, just because I think he's he's better in that three at the back, as we've discussed the last couple of episodes. But I, I feel like that leaves us light in that type of player in the centre. So I, I was quite surprised that that we got rid of him. Um, but haven't had time to think about it in the last couple of days. I do wonder if this is trying to kind of move towards a new way of um, of operating in terms of transfers, trying to be kind of more like, uh, say, like your, your Brentford or Norwich, where, you know, you're, you're trying to get resale value for these players. There's kind of, um, you know, there's, there's no room for sentiment or anything like that. It's just you're getting the resale value and then reinvesting it in the squad. Well, yeah, well, the Sam Morsey ones is, is, is massively surprising. Uh, I'm not too sure if Borough made a profit on the, on the, on the transfer, but... Um, just on, like, just real quickly, and it came out of nowhere, didn't it? The the Sam Morsey transfer, because as far as everyone away, it looked like he was happy at Middlesbrough, didn't really fancy moving, and then the next thing you know, he's at the door, he signed a three-year deal at Ipswich. It did. I mean, you know, I, I, we we planned a piece for um uh, for to go online this week uh, where me and Craig were kind of looking back on the summer, and um I, I put in there that I don't I don't think any Borough fan walking away from the Riverside on Saturday would have imagined at that point that it was going to be the last the, the last time they'd seen Morsi in a, in a Borough shirt. Um, you know, he started three of the five games this season, and 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 as Tom said there, I think he was kind of although Borough well stocked in midfield, he does offer something a bit different, doesn't he? That kind of protector um and 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 he's happy playing in that role whereas if you put housing in that role or indeed mcnair there is that element of kind of like you you're restricting them from playing what you'd class as the the natural game really um so yeah completely surprised by that one and and it became clear from from saturday or sunday onwards that uh, so for some some sunday onwards that there was something in it um and and it moved quite quickly from there yeah, it was it was a one that really surprised all of us to be honest. Um I think we, we were chatting with him on, on Sunday and everything seemed fine and the next thing you know he's gone. So one another one that's I think probably surprised us all as well. Um and I'm gonna come to you, Craig, because when we originally spoke about Jed Spence at the start of the window, we said that there's probably not a chance that he's gonna leave in the end now because he had some really good performances at the start of the season. Next thing you know, he's at Nottingham Forest on loan at the end of the season. Uh but why why do you think Borod decided to let Jed Spence leave because it seemed a bit of a peculiar one. Yeah, I think uh, similar reasons to Morsi, really. I think uh, ultimately, you know, Borough had the big outlay and they brought in these new um, players um, who they played, you know, Piero, I think, um, I think up front they've paid €4 million, Euros, if I'm not mistaken, for. And then, you know, there's potential add-ons to that and obviously loan fees involved in in uh, Saliki's move and Spora's move and, and the other players that had signed. And, and then obviously the wages to factor in as well. There was a bit of balancing of the books that probably needed to happen towards the end of the window. So I think what happened is ultimately in the last few days of the window, Borough had to almost split the the squad into two in, in a sense of these players absolutely cannot leave. 
these players could leave and those players that could leave were kind of touted out to uh to other clubs and it would depend on you know like how well stocked they were in certain positions and and ultimately i think jed spence just fell into that category of of you know one player that borough could afford to leave if the interest was there um and as a balancing of the books thing obviously you know it's no secret that um He's, he's had ups and downs at his time at Borough. He probably doesn't quite uh, match Warnock's style in terms of, you know, he's, he's done okay as a winger, I would say, um, under Warnock, but that's not his natural role. He's more of a, an attacking fullback, but Warnock doesn't really like attacking fullbacks. He, he much prefers Anthony Dykesdale, who is a lot more reliable at right back. Um, and then, of course, he's brought in Lee Peltier this summer, who who is, if you like, your right-back cover. So I think ultimately Jed Spence just fell into that. And it sounds such a, a harsh word, but it's, you know, he ultimately fell into the category of dispensable. And and when the 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 interest was there in him, he was, you know, one of the ones that ultimately uh, left the club at the end of the window. The, as I say, balanced the books, I think, almost. Mm, but Dana, do you, do you think that Jed Spence probably has a future at Middlesbrough now, uh, given that... It well, could potentially be a new manager next season. Things start again. Do you think that Jed could come back in and maybe claim his place back? Or do you think it's uh, it looks a bit bleak? I think it all depends on Jed, really, because as Neil Warnock has said, he's, he's either Premier League or non-league. And I think he holds the cards, really, Jed Spence. I mean, we... Well, we're obviously big fans of him on the podcast because of that Manjaro's reference that you made, Johnny, that we've just ran with ever since. But I think obviously when he burst yeah. um, onto the scene under Woodgate, he did show that hunger and that desire. And I think that waned a little bit last season. And we didn't really quite see that fire in his belly. And I think the start of this season, he has been good. And it's kind of a bit of a shame that, as Craig said, he has become a bit dispensable because I thought he was really on the right tracks to overcoming last season. But ultimately his future is in his hands and I don't know whether uh, the reports were true that he signed a new deal um, if so then I think that's a statement from Boris saying that you know he does have a future here but ultimately even regardless of that the future of Jed Spence lies with Jed Spence. Yeah it'd be interesting to see how he does uh, under Chris Hutton as well at, uh, at Nottingham Forest and I appreciate he's under the cosh at the minute as well and they haven't started well and you know how trigger happy the the Nottingham Forest owners are so it might be under a new manager maybe I believe Chris Wilder was tipped as well to maybe take over oh, there really? as that well. would be some coup he likes he, he likes attacking fullback so it could be a match made in heaven really for him to be honest um if he were to, if he was to go there but Tom I'm gonna just stick with the with the outgoings a little bit more um Craig alluded to it there around like potentially splitting the, the squad in half and saying who could potentially go and who needs to stay uh, with the amount of outgoings that we've had uh, in, in, in the window, do you think Bora's squad is, is a little bit light on the ground now? It feels like it in a couple of places, but I wouldn't say the entire squad. Um, so what I think we have in our squad now, I think we mentioned this on the like one of the first pods of the season, I think we set up to play a few different systems this season. And I think what plays into that is we've got players who can play in multiple positions as well. So I'm looking at, at that team and thinking, other than left-back and striker, where I fully expect us to look into free agency and, and get a couple of players from that, um, I think what we've got at the moment, you know, we, we can cover certain certain positions with, with one player who can, who can cover three or four. So 
it doesn't feel like it. Not as not as much as it has done for the last couple of years, where like say that first window under Woodgate, where the the window ended, and we were like, okay, but we've got so many more positions that need to be filled. This one still feels like we, we've got a fairly full squad, but it all comes down to the adaptability of our players. I think. Well, you you're saying that like, we're on different positions and adaptability, but then do you think like defensive cover is probably they're probably the lightest across across the whole team, and do you think it's it's enough to probably last the winter period in in general? I'm inclined to think it might not be enough. I mean, essentially, Lee Peltier holds the key of all keys, doesn't he? Because he's he's holding the fort of that defence. Yeah, I think he could play anywhere across the back four. So if Lee Peltier gets injured, then I think we're a little bit screwed. But I, I don't know to be honest because. Obviously, during the winter period, you can pick up those muscle injuries, hamstring injuries, the sort of tightening of, of, of those muscles. And I, I don't know, how, potentially it could see us to January, but obviously, as has been reported in the Gazette, we, we are looking at that um, free agent market to get a, a left back in. Hopefully we can bring in a left back that can also maybe play... Um, I don't know, across the back line as well. So a little bit like Lee Peltier, but on the left... Um, but yeah, I mean that it, it is obviously a worry. We, it's a shame that we didn't bring in a left back during the window uh, when it was open. But thankfully, we do have the opportunity to bring in a, a free agent left back. But yeah, it's always going to be a worry, isn't it? Because you're always thinking at the back of your mind, what if we pick up injuries? What if we pick up a suspension or two? Or there's an illness. Obviously, we still live in a COVID world. We're not fully away from that yet. But now, you know what? I'm thinking we probably it probably isn't enough to last until January. Yeah, well, sounds like, you're, sounds like you're calling for Martin Craney to come home there, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Two-minute Martin, Martin, yes. <laughs> Bring him back. <laughs> Two-minute Martin. It'd be, I mean, it'd be absolutely ideal, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a free agent right now. You know, we're in dire need for some cover. Uh, but obviously, do you think, Dom, do you think we're going to go into that free agent uh, that free agent market for some defensive cover? Or maybe go for, you know, Martin Craney. Yeah, yeah. Is, I'd, I'd, is I'd he the man? Is yeah, the I wouldn't man? get Craney on the back of your shirt anytime soon, but I do think I do think um, I, I, I'd be more surprised if they didn't go into the the free agent market for a uh, for a left back. I think I think that injury scare to Bowler uh, at the end of the Blackburn game um, just kind of highlighted really how how short Borough will be because you know with with respect to Lee Pelt, yeah, I think. Uh, you know, he's obviously had an excellent career, but it'd be more, I think it'd be more like doing a job at left back if he came in, as opposed to kind of, you know, you, if Bowler, God forbid, was to be ruled out for, for any period of time. And Warnock himself has said that um, he wouldn't feel comfortable playing Pelty as a wing back. He, you know, he's, he's an LB, isn't he, in old football manager terms? You know, that he's, he's a left back in a flat back four. Um, Keen, Bar- Keen Bryan's still a free agent, I see, and he's someone who's been been mentioned a few times over the course of the summer, tick a few boxes. Um obviously Joe Bennett was 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 mentioned, um, but he went to Wigan, which you can completely understand because you know he he I guess didn't want the uncertainty really of waiting around for what might be not just a borough but at but at a number of clubs. Um but yeah it, it is an area I think that needs strengthening. Um and you know bringing in someone as a from a free agent. It, it doesn't have to be kind of a desperate last gasp move. Look at Duncan Watmore last year, and he turned into turned out to be the signing of the of the season, really. 
Yeah, he actually was. Um, and to, and to be fair, like now on that left hand side, I think like Borough have like a spoil of riches really because we have like so many wingers now which we can really turn to. But appreciate with the squad depth that we have now, it might probably affect Isaiah Jones. And Craig, do you think that Isaiah Jones's position now in that eleven might be maybe hindered because of the the quality that we've brought in? It'll be an interesting one to say. I think ultimately he's he's got to continue doing what he's doing. And and actually, as things stand, I think rather interestingly, I'd probably have Isaiah Jones ahead of, of Duncan Watmore, certainly in a in a four two three one formation. I think you're looking at uh, Hernandez probably coming in to be the right winger. And and at the minute, I think Isaiah Jones would be your left winger ahead of Duncan Watmore, which sounds incredible to say because Duncan Watmore was brilliant last season. He was your, your top goal scorer. And yet at the minute you're thinking, well, he's probably going to have to make the other place on the bench. But, you know, just going back to that, you know, left back um, dilemma that they've got, I think, you know, if they weren't to get anyone as a free agent, remember it is just at the moment, it's I think it's fair to say they're just the, the, the look and the monitoring that free agent market. But, you know, we have got to go back to the kind of balancing of the books situation and, and, and remember that they're not just going to, you know, panic and bring someone in because they feel the need to, to to stop that position. It's going to have to be somebody who who kind of works financially as well. Uh, but I think if, if they didn't, I think because we've spoken about Burr's adaptability and flexibility, and I think what we saw on Saturday against Blackburn was Burrow looking very good without Mark Bowler in a 3-5-2 formation. And, and Isaiah Jones did so well as a left wing back. Now, I'd, I'd be a bit nervous... Uh, about Isaiah Jones as a left wing back against the better teams in the division, see if Fulham uh, away on the first game of the season. I'm not sure it would have worked as well then. But against most teams where you you know you want to be a bit more on the front foot, I think if if Mark Ball is out and they don't get another left back, then I'd have no you know kind of qualms with going to three five two. I think with Johnny Housen sitting just in front of the the back three. That looks very kind of comfortable. And what we saw was Borough almost, you know, want to get a bit further forward and, and have the the freedom to get a bit further forward because you know, Grant Hall, Paddy McNair and, and Deal Fry as a back three just look so solid. And, and that allowed for Dykesdale and it allowed for, for Jones as the wing backs to bomb so, so far forward. Borough was so positive against Blackburn. And that's because of the trust that Warnock and the rest of the team have in those three central defenders. So, you know, I think that's certainly an option if if Mark Bowler isn't there to play as a back four. It worries me a little bit about Isaiah Jones on on that left hand side. It just uh, it just screams like he's going to get te- get torn apart like defensively. Uh, but it was interesting there, Craig, that you you turned your back on a former Macam there um, in in Duncan Watmore and just not wanting to play him in the squad. I mean. I don't know how to take that, to be honest. I feel like it's going to be absolutely disappointing, isn't it, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the brilliant thing, though, isn't it? I think what we didn't have last season was e- enough of that in the final third, where if somebody wasn't quite on the game, there was somebody else to come in and take them out. I'm not saying Duncan Watmore hasn't been on his game. He hasn't been fit, of course. He, he's been injured. He's just coming back into it. But but that's the interesting thing now is obviously we don't see training either. There's going to be little mini battles in training where they're going to be trying to, you know, a kind of, you know, fr- friendly kind of competition where it's a bit of one-upmanship and, and Duncan Watmore will be thinking, well, 
well, hang on a minute, I need to get myself back into this team. So he's going to be training, you know, full pelt. And, and Isaiah Jones is going to want to keep his place. So when it comes to match day, he's going to know he's got to be on his game because if he's not, there'll be someone else who's quite good to, to, to come into his place. And, you know, that brings the standards and it brings the levels up. And I think that's what Borough didn't have last season. Uh, it's one of the things that excites me most about this this transfer window is that the options in the final third and and the levels that should come of the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the competition will absolutely increase when when Middlesbrough sign and Sparar and, and Saliki as well. Want appreciate Champions League and Europa League players now. I mean, Chubrakpom did actually score in the Champions League before he signs uh, last season, so you can take that as you will. But guys, should we should we break down the, the two new signs that we signed on transfer deadline day? Uh, Tom, do you want to, to see what uh, we've got in Saliki at all, or is it Dana who's, who's bringing that down? James got Saliki. Oh, yeah, you, oh Dan, you got you got Saliki. Tom, you got Sparrowin. We'll go with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't have statistical data or anything like that. It's more I've been watching his games over the last week. Well, since he I've watched him and he's mint man. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was thinking maybe if I if I watched him anymore, I might jinx him and he might sign for Alavesh. Well, that never happened in the end, so I'm a little bit glad about that. But yeah, I mean, he's someone that really likes to get on the ball. I think he's positive in possession. Um, I was watching a game, um, Ren against uh, Non, which is a derby. Didn't know that. My geography, my French geography is bad, but um, there was a potential weakness there in that game, I will say, is that he he did fall under the shadow of Eduardo Camavinga in that game. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Camavinga's no, literally just signed for Real Madrid. Madrid. Yeah. yeah, the small matter of a move there. But my problem with, or potential problem with Le Saliki is that if Bora don't get him on the ball, then I think his influence in the game will be pretty minimal. He's not a, a snappy, tenacious tackler, defensive midfield player or a ball winner necessarily. He's somebody that wants to progress the play up the pitch. He will wander into these uh, that left-hand space. It was a, a game that I was watching against Toulouse in which he was the, the furthest midfield player. I mean, Hatem Benafa was playing as a false nine, so I suppose he had to take up that space really. But He's a very positive midfielder with good vision, wants to get his teammates in behind. And if he's not trying to get his teammates in behind, then he's uh, the player that will try to get in behind himself. So I've seen a lot of people say that he can play defensive mids. I don't know how many times in his career uh, that he's played that, but I definitely don't think that's his role. He's a box-to-box player. He wants to get into the box um, late and be a goal threat I think he's creative uh, as well could potentially see him pop up on the left wing I think he's fairly comfortable there as well um, and he looks a good player it's just my worry with him is that in the Neil Warnock style of play we might not see him get on the ball as much because with with Boris midfield it is sort of picking up those second balls and and those little midfield scraps I guess so but if Borough do get him on the ball and I, I do feel so we'll see definitely the best out of um Lisa Leakey he's just a, a very silky midfielder I'd probably describe him mm. as no I'd, I'd agree I think when I when I watched him when he uh he was playing for him last, last season when Jeremy Doku moved to to him as well so obviously follow on Deluxe I want to see how Doku did in, in, in a French league and 
Yeah, I, I don't think he's a defensive midfielder either, to be honest. Um, mm. I know Middlesbrough have a long tradition of turning attacking midfielders into defensive midfielders, uh, strikers <laughs> into right-backs. Um, but in, in terms of that, for me, I don't think he's a defensive midfielder either. I feel like he's going to be pushing probably Matt Crooks or Pajero for a place now. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how it fares out, really. I mean, like how much patience do you want to give Pajero in, in that number 10 role or, or more as a deep-line midfielder? It depends how long we want to do that. But I think for me, yeah. I think so. He's, he's, he's more of an offensive player uh, rather than probably defensive. But um, it'd be interesting to see how we position him in probably the next few day, a few, few games, really, and how we maybe potentially change system off the back of it. Craig, I know you mentioned there, 3-5-2. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I personally think Boy will play better in a 3-5-2 as well. Um, I'll, probably, I'll probably put it out to the, to the, to the group in a, in a minute, but yeah, I, I just think that he, he's probably suited into that, probably that number 10 or more an offensive type player. But Tom, um, Spiral, let's, let's break him down. Um, the Slovenian, of course, he, he's away at the moment in national duty, but we've got quite the player there, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying it was very limited data to work with. Uh, checked on my usual sources on like kind of who scored and FB ref and stuff, but not many of them cover the Portuguese top league, which I thought was a, a bit of a surprise, but definitely not the Slovenian top league. But from the data we've, we've seen uh, from him, he just seems a, a different proposition to uh, to Uche. And it, it's uh, kind of ties in with what you were just saying about the, the 3-5-2 there. Because uh, I've got him down as potentially being able to play up top a lot alongside Uche. 
Um, most of his shots and his goals tend to come from within the penalty area, but not in the six-yard box. So that kind of indicates that he's going to rely on his chance creation into his feet uh, so we can fire him in from, from inside the box. So what I'm thinking that should uh, help with now, and I mean, we covered this on Sunday, Hernandez, who doesn't like to cross too much, likes to cut inside and with the short passes, it's going to be- benefit him. But also I'm thinking Tavernier and Jones could could also benefit from this. Um, we, we've both seen the, the skill. Uh, we've all seen this, the skill they both have on the ball uh, and being able to kind of pull it back and, and create chances in the box. So that should be good for them. Um, and, and like I say, he could potentially play up top off Uche as well. Um, he The way he plays needs to rely on good movement, which it looks like he has. Um, and he also doesn't really assist much uh, from, from what we're seeing in the data. Um, and the majority of his re- recorded passes are quite short. So it, it looks like he is going to be that kind of striker who likes to, uh, you know, have decent link up play, get into the box with his movement and, and just get into these shooting positions, really. Yeah, so interesting where you mentioned like movement, getting behind, and then probably his, his majority of his goals probably just come outside the six yard box. One player I think probably really benefit him the most is probably Marcus Tavernier. I think the way that he's able to drive the ball forward and get the ball into the box, I think that'd be a perfect signing for him, to be honest. Um, but Dom, do you think do you think the signings that we've we've made over the last couple of weeks would probably benefit uh, Marcus Tavernier quite a lot because it seemed like he needed more players around him to provide chances, and so we didn't have an over reliance on him. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, it kind of feels like it, it, nothing's been set in stone for the last year. I mean, last it was impossible last year to to, to say who Borough's first choice centre forward was, for example, wasn't it? There was no, it was so difficult to to even set out what you'd class as Borough's first choice front three or front four. Now, I know it's going to be probably equally as difficult this season for the for the completely opposite reason in that he's, Warnock suddenly has a lot more options. Um, but of all the players, when you look at that forward line, you you would still put Marcus Tavernier down as the one who Neil Warnock will 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 get in his team. It'll be interesting because I, a lot of talk there about you know wing backs, but I just look at the the the, the number of options now he has out wide, and I think by playing wing backs, you you you're not getting the best out of those. You're not getting the best out of the likes of of Hernandez. Um, you know. I, Jones of what we've seen, yeah, yeah, I can't really comment on Alassane because we've seen so little of him, but he's a, a, another kind of orthodox winger as well, isn't he? Um, but if you were playing kind of like a variety of a 4-3-3, um, then, then where does Tavernier fit in? Does it become more of a 4-2-3-1 with, with Tav as the 10? I, I actually think Tavernier is at his best when he's just got that free role to drift, you know, to pop up on the right side, to pop up on the left side, to, to, to play off a centre-forward. I remember the first friendly of the summer, we spoke to, to Wick Piazu at Bishop Auckland. We spoke to Wick Piazu afterwards, and he'd probably only been a Borough player a, a couple of weeks. And he, and he said then that he'd already struck up a good relationship with Tavernier. They liked playing off each other. They worked off each other. Um, so so I think that's interesting. But then you kind of see what more as, as, a, as a 10, don't you? If you were playing a 4-2-3-1, then, then what more is at his best working off a striker? And you'd probably say that's where Sparar is going to fit in as well. So... It is going to be really, really intriguing to see how 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 that forward line plays out. For, for the first time, you, when you were talking to Tom there about kind of options, squad options, and 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 depth, and whether the borough have, have got enough depth across the board, what I would say is for the first time in probably three or four seasons, borough squad looks more balanced. I think. I think. I think 
players they've got players who complement each other rather than kind of players who've been brought in over three, four, five completely different windows and, and then trying to, to somehow make it work. Mm. Well, go on, go on, keep going with that then, Don, because what, what do you think that the best attacking line would be for Middlesbrough then? <laughs> you put me on the spot there. At the minute, um, I, I'd, I'd go 4-2-3-1. You've got to have Jones in there. Um, I, you, I, if Piazu... I'd go Iqpiezu as the striker, Jones on the left, Tavernier on the right, and Crooks as the 10. But but that is purely based on what we've seen in the opening weeks of the season. You would fully expect Sparar to be in there in, in a couple of weeks' time, probably as the 10, which then raises the question as, you know, does Crooks then drop in and play alongside a midfielder and and who who pays the price for that? Um, but but that would be my front four as things stand. Uh, although, as I say, I fully expect that to that to change in the coming weeks. You know, speaking to, to those who've watched Hernandez at Norwich, um, you know, they, they were purring about him and, and what he'll offer in the championship. And, and by all accounts, you know, he's a, he's a great character as well as as well as well a really good player at this level. So so that's another thing to consider. Absolutely loves in Argos, uh, Hernandez. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> absolutely loves in Argos. Um, but it, it, apart from imp- uh, an Argos impressing Hernandez, um, what do you what do you think's been the, the most impressive signing of, of the summer? Then, Craig, do you want to try to kick us off? Who, who have you been most impressed by? Yeah, I think for me, it's got to be Martin Piero. I think, um, you know, Burrow went out, found this 22-year-old Argentine staller who'd kind of, the way it was described to me by someone at Burrow is they, they had that copper Diego Mar- Maradona, didn't they, in Argentina, yeah. which replaced their top flight because of COVID. And um, yeah, essentially it was described as a, the, the club he was at Banfield were kind of like, you know, maybe a Crystal Palace or somebody like that, kind of, you know, like, no, not much Bang average. To, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but Piero was kind of you know a player who performed so well during that Copa Diego Maradona that they actually made it to the final and um and had such a good competition and he was like a big reason for that and on the back of that you had uh, the two biggest teams in Argentina Boca and, and River you had Inter Milan and by all accounts other European clubs interested in, in Piero off the back of that he obviously he, he got called up to the Argentinian youth side he was in their Olympic squad um, and, and for Burra to kind of come in um, and and you know, kind of pip these kind of teams. Your likes of your Inter Milan's and your your Boca Juniors and River Plate, and bring him to Borough. Like to me, that is such an impressive signing. And um, you know, it wasn't easy work. We know it, it dragged on a little, but you know, there were reasons for that with uh, you know p- um, pandemic kind of travel and and um, post Brexit work permit um, laws and all that kind of things. It it was real. And then there were other complications to do with you know the way in which the money had to be paid and things like that. It, all sorts of complications kind of kept cropping up and kept pushing this transfer back. But Burrow was so one-sided and so this is our man and we are going to get him. Then they just would not give up. And and to bring him to to Teesside, I think it's such a an exciting and, and really impressive signing. 
Yeah, it's interesting that he hasn't really played much yet, has it? So that's like that's the the one thing that I appreciate Alessandri's got one more minute more than him uh, on at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see if we, if we do start to integrate him now after the international break and stuff like that to see if we really do start to see Mike Pajero a bit more. But guys, who are you guys uh, more most impressed with the, in terms of the the signings? Like who's be, who's one that's been exciting? Um, Dana, do you want to go next? Yeah, is that in terms of players that we've seen or just the signing itself? Uh, in, in general, this is in silent signing in general. Well, I probably agree with Craig then and say Martin Bichero because, I mean, a, a player that is incredibly highly rated and a lot of experts that, well, South American experts and South American football enthusiasts were baffled really that bore out of all the clubs got him and I think they were equally baffled that Neil he's going to be playing for a Neil Warnock side but he's obviously got immense talent and someone that I think will suit the championship to a T he is physical he's he's got to got to bed in we've been really impatient because we want to see more of him certainly more than the sort of five minute cameos that we that we have sort of seen uh recently but he's someone that is different. We have been used to, you know, championship players, which we we all know the sort of regular names in the division. But to sign someone from Argentina, I mean, I remember when that link came out, I had to sort of double take, and I was thinking, like, is this real? And you know, is this actually what's what's happening? And and obviously, it it happened. And I mean, I must admit, at the time, I can't remember whether the Euros had finished by the time that the link came out um, of Martin Pichero to Bora or whether um, they were still going. But it was around that time of obviously the Euros and then the Olympics were starting. Bora were admittedly very, they were at the, the back of my mind really, I think because I got caught up in all the excitement of the Euros. I wasn't really excited about the season. But then when I saw that that rumour of Martin Pichero linked to Middlesbrough, it just set off this, it just ignited this excitement really because it's that unknown quantity, isn't it? You want to know more, you want to read more, you want to learn more about him and you want to see him in action. And yeah, when he signed, obviously the the social media hysteria over it, everyone putting um, Argentina flags in their bios, I suddenly became Dana Martinez. It was just fantastic. I mean, um, hopefully we can see him soon, but he's definitely, I mean, he definitely made me excited for the season, man, for sure, for sure. Okay, so Tommy, are you going to join Craig and Dana then for most exciting? Are you going to going to join with Pajero um, or are you going to go somewhere different? I'm, I'm going to break the pattern. I'm going to say I've been more, most impressed with Matt Crooks at the moment. Um, and I'm going to kind of say this isn't kind of more impressed, like, oh my God, we signed him because... I'm going to be honest, like, I didn't really remember too much of that Rotherham game last year when he scored. I remember him scoring and I remember him disliking him for, for starting on Morsi. Um, But I, I didn't kind of really know that much about him. And I, I just, I thought, you know, we've signed this, what, six foot five centre midfielder. I thought this is going to be like a typical kind of Neil Warnock sign and we're going to have this target man up front. We're going to have this six foot five centre midfielder. We're going to be winning all headers. But then I watched him in the in the the first home game of the season against Bristol, and I was just I was kind of amazed with how good he is with the ball at his feet. Like it was totally not what I was expecting from him. And I think just consistently from that point on, he's he's played really well and contributed really well to the team, uh, linking up um, extremely well with, with with Jones in that first game. But he, he's he's kind of shown and he's he's adaptable uh, as well from from playing up front when he's been needed. So. I'm, I'm going to go with Matt Crooks, man. 
Okay, Pajero twice, uh, Matt Crooks one. Dom, who are you, you going to go with? Yeah, I think uh, both. I think uh, I think I'll go with um, <laughs> Piero. I completely agree. Is like the most exciting, you know. I think when that when that emerged in the summer and everything that comes out of South America and um, and and you know, as Dana says, the the kind of um, surprise really that a player of of that pedigree over there is is coming to play in the English second tier. So so I think that is the most exciting. Um, but but then in, in terms of most impressed crooks, but you know what? I'm I'm going to go with Uche because I think it, it, it's easy to kind of think when when Ike Piazu came in, it was, it was anything but headline hogging really. In that it's a lad from Wickham with respect who's only played one season in the Championship, but he's it, been what Burr have been crying out for really for a, for a couple of seasons, and I do think he needs help, and you know I I, I do think that he's not. You know we can't rely on him all all season long. Um, but but I've loved everything I've seen from him as a, as a player and a character so far. Um, and and I think he might turn out to be to be a really shrewd and and, and good signing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Don't be honest. I I, I really like um, Uche. Up front. I think he just he just gives us something different. Um, and what we haven't had for for previous seasons. Appreciate Britain Fletch were were hundred percent not Tony Pulis, Neil Warnock, or Jonathan Woodgate type players. Um, so if anything, I think it's it's good to have someone who fits the system, makes a, a nuisance of himself. I think his play against like the two centre halves or like three at the back. I think it's superb. He caused him so many problems. And I think it's absolutely perfect for Boris for Boris style. It'd be interesting to see what happens now with obviously with Sparrow coming in and, and the options that we have as well. Um it'd be interesting to see if he if he keeps his place, but he, he may he, he may not. But um I think another sign I think for me was I was really excited by was probably Hernandez, I think, from Norwich. I think the amount of quality that he's got. He's done it in the championship before. I, th- I remember him at the Riverside uh, when he was playing for Norwich and he absolutely murdered us on the left-hand side um, all night. And it's, it'd be, I'm so glad to have him in and have that extra quality um, going forward because I think that's where we, we really do lack. I think if we were to, to get in the, uh, the playoffs this season, appreciate it's very, very early doors and I'm not judging until Christmas, but we just need that quality. We just need that quality consistently probably for the remainder of the season to see if we could actually get anywhere close uh, to it. Um but let's move on. Let's chat uh, podcast questions. So podcast questions where people submit them from Twitter um, and we answer them on, on, on the podcast. So it's an, op- it's an open forum. Uh, so anyone can take the question. Um, but I'm going to go with the first one. It's from Danny. And he says, why do you think we failed to get in a left back? Uh, was it using the money to prioritize in other positions? So he wants to take that one. Oh no one! I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Then it's like it's like it's like being at school when any any questions at the end, <laughs> and no one wants to put their hand up and be the first person. Um, I'm going to pick on you now. <laughs> yeah, um, I just think it was probably a case of it was a priority. It clearly was a priority, but I think getting one or two other forward players in was more of a priority. And I think the way the way that it will have been assessed is. Left backs, but one or two probably are targets, are free agents. And if they don't get them on deadline day, then then that's something that can be addressed in the next week or two. Whereas the players who they were working hard to bring in on deadline day, um, you know, if they hadn't got that done by 11 o'clock, then that was that until January. So I think it was probably just a logical... If, if, if Warnock could, if Borough could have got one in before 11 o'clock on, on Tuesday, then they obviously would have done. Um, but 
you know, the message was clear that that there are free agents available who they'll address. And 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 I think the other thing to remember is it is it is cover they're looking for at left back. Um, so although it's obviously needed, it, th- th- there's a bit more leeway there, isn't there? There's a bit more breathing space. Yeah, I think, yeah, sorry, just to dive in and add to that, I think it's important to note as well that they, they did go into deadline deal with, you know, a few options for left back who they would have liked, uh, who they were trying to. It, it's always this kind of, you know, thing of, of viable options and, you know, things have got to work financially as well uh, in terms of, you know, these players have got to be, first of all, available, you know, whichever club they're at has got to be willing to let them go. And then they've got to be willing to let them go for a price, which works for Borough as well. Um, and, and ultimately, they, they went into to a deadline deal with a few options in mind who they would have liked. But for whatever reason, nothing worked out for them on the deal. And uh, and they just weren't able to get someone in, which is why they are having to now turn to the free agent market. Mm. There's the, right, there's left backs out there. I know we put a couple up on, on Twitter last night. I think it just screamed Neil Taylor signing two-year deal. Um, like it just screams it. it absolutely screams it, doesn't it? Um, the the next question, it's a two-parter. Uh, Some Charlie says, "Is this the most disappointing you've been seeing a player go?" Um, in regards to Morsey, um, that's for me. And then the second part of it is, which players do you think are dead cert unless injured in the team now? Um, and which players will be chopping and changing regularly into the team this season? Um, the first part of it about disappointing to see Morsey go. I think so. I, I didn't want him to leave, but I think it's definitely something to do with like the books, and uh, it's just. A, I think it's just a shame. I think we're very light in terms of centre center defensive midfielders, and I think it's only really housing that is that that really out and out centre defensive midfield player we've got now. I don't think there's there's another alternative. Um, so I'm a bit surprised and a bit disappointed to see him go. But if it's for the longevity and balance in the books, then it, I guess it, it's all right in the end. Um, even though I'm fully against. I was fully against him going, but is what it is. Not, I'm not bothered, honest. I'm not bothered. Not, not bothered, honest. Um, but which players do you think are dead uh, in the team this season? Uh, Dana, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I think it's pretty simple, this one. I think it has to be Tav. I mean, when Tav doesn't play, and, and even in the preseason friendlies, I think his absence was felt. And when he didn't play in the games last season, I th- um, the most important player that we had. So yeah, I think Tav definitely is um you know he he if he's fit, he starts. Okay. Um uh, we'll move on to the next next one. Um from Joe and he says going forward, is this the new model that we'll be going for in the transfer market under the new sporting director? Players from Europe will with a sell-on potential uh smart business if you ask me. Craig, I think you alluded to it early on, um saying about like that pragmatic uh, and also getting championship experience off feel like we've kind of covered that one off. Um but the next question is from Paul. He says it's, it's a personal favorite question. He says is Pajero another Jason Rhodes situation uh, where a manager would just ruin his career. Um so is is Piero another Jordan Rhodes Tom do you want to take that one? Or I mean, let's Jason, hope. Uh, let's hope not. But, um, I, I suppose what you could say about Jordan slash Jason Rhodes is he did score some vital goals to get him get us up. So if Pajero fancies doing that this season, then wouldn't be against it. But I don't think it's going to be the case that you know a manager's going to derail his career. Um, I think he's he's still only what twenty two, still a hell of a lot of potential there, um, and. 
we've got to think. I mean, it, it's like I was saying on, on the podcast last week or week before. Like, I feel like this is the new model we're going to be going for. That you know, players like Pajero are, are going to be the future in the, of the club in a couple of years' time. Um, and I, I think that when you know we do get another manager, which I, I think seems likely that it'll be next season, um, he's probably going to be a vital part of that manager's plans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next question is from Dave McNally, and he says, can Matt Crooks play in a deeper role? Uh, who wants to take this one? Uh, Craig, do you want to take it? Do you think Matt Crooks can play in a deeper role? Uh, go on then. Yeah, yeah um, is the simple answer. Um, he's played at centre-back at times in his career. Uh, Warnock said when he when he signed him, he remembered him uh, playing centre-back for Huddersfield. Um, so it's something he can do. I think he's... he's natural um abilities are kind of getting on the ball and driving from midfield with the ball and, and getting the team forward but i think if it was needed he, he could cover there he could play a deeper midfield role he's he's got the physicality and he, he's not afraid to put his foot in so i think it, it's something that could happen and you know it's just another example of what we've spoken about with our squad where there is a lot of kind of flexibility and um and play and versatility players can cover if players get injured I mean we've spoken about that defensive midfield role and and Dana mentioned earlier about Lee Peltier and the many roles he can cover defensive midfield is another one he can cover as well um so so there you are good old Lee Peltier can do it all can't he can do it all he can do a job up front if he wants as well he can play in goal you name it he can do it all can't he um, we'll go up for the next question. I'll, Tom, I'll come to you for this one. Um, and it says, with all the new signings, what is our strongest starting lineup? I'll come to you because you've already gave me four. So, I mean, like, what's another, what's another seven players, you know? What's what's another seven? I may as well fill in the blanks, yeah. Um, yeah we'll halfway go, there, we'll, you know what I mean? Yeah, we'll go Lumley in goal. I hope Neil's listening. We'll go Lumley in goal. Um, Thanks, still right back. Oh, it's a Paddy McNair question, isn't it? Um. I'm I'm ju- I'm going here on on what we've seen so far. Okay. So you know, as I say, this is probably going to change in a couple of weeks. Um, I'll go with Hall and Fry at centre half, Baller left back, Housen and McNair as the two. Um, it's difficult with McNair, isn't it? Because I, I like him at the back, but I think he's better at the back in a three. But you've got to have him in the team. I mean, last season, Warnock described him as the best player he's ever managed. So he's going to find a players for him somewhere isn't he um so i think yeah that's what i go with I, I feel like i've missed someone out because of these options now i feel like i've missed someone obvious out yeah um, so up front you had uche then uche, num- yeah. then number 10 you had crooks i think yeah it was crooks wasn't it yeah, yeah jones crooks, left uh, and tav right and i i feel wrong leaving what more out really but um you know I, I i have been really impressed with crooks yeah, so you've got what more Hernandez? Um, I'm trying to think. But you've got Sparrow on the bench, Pajero, Saliki uh, on the bench, Saliki, and who, who am I missing? I feel like I'm missing someone now as well. Peltier. Yeah, Lee Peltier. <laughs> you can do it all. Um, and there's one more. It'll probably be a keeper. So yeah, Daniels. We'll give it yeah. to Daniels. Uh, give it to Daniels. I mean, we've got options done, to be honest. We've got options all <laughs> over all all over the pitch now. Um, I've been waiting for that one. Like uh, <laughs> there's so many mentions of options in this podcast that nobody said Dawn after I've been wondering what's going on. <laughs> well, that was maybe last season's crack or something, and I just hadn't moved with the times. No, no, mate. That is very much part of this podcast still. I'm just like it's like um 
I don't know. It's, it's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I have to say it. every podcast. It's like when someone says the word options, the, the name Dawn just just screams <laughs> at me. Just it's started leaking into my work life now. Like if someone says options at work, I'm like Dawn. Uh, no, can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I mean, like we should get Dawn on the podcast just this once, just to like, really explain it. But I mean, is what it is. But it's nice though. It's nice to have these options, isn't it? It's nice. I mean, like it's it's been so the first time for a long time that we've actually had balance and options, which you've all mentioned. Um, is there anyone else want to take a punt on the on the eleven, or are we happy to move on? Anyone want to take? See, I would I would actually. Don was sort of thinking about Paddy McNair there. You know what? It's controversial, but I think if Paddy McNair doesn't play in that defensive three, I wouldn't have him in the team because I think in midfield. It's a bull shout, but I think in midfield, it's like what Warnock said. I think, didn't he say that he's a, a an average midfielder, but um, you know, much better. I can't remember what he said yeah. exactly, but much better. It's better centre-half. Um, mm. Yeah, centre-half. I just I feel like in midfield, especially when you've got Lisa Leakey and then Martin Bichero, I don't think Martin Bichero will, will start anytime soon. But when those two start to sort of get into the swing of things, I think there's a big case to be made for Paddy McNair so I'm not being in the team because I, I can't see him really playing in Housen's role either. So it's it's a difficult one. We've mentioned it so many times. I think his best position is in that defensive three, but in midfield, I do agree with Warnock. I think he's he is average. Oh, so I'd, uh, I'd, I'd tend to agree with the end of there. I, I much prefer McNair as a defender, and and I overall prefer Burrow as a back three as well. I, I think not only do they look more solid at the back in three five two, I think they look better going forward as well. That could change now. We've mentioned you know the options that they have brought in uh, in the in the attacking third, but the likes of I quickly tried to jot down there a three five two best team and found myself leaving out uh, Jones wasn't in the mm-hmm. team and Hernandez who's just come in wasn't in the team you're then struggling to get Spira and Piero in the team and you're going to have to leave out one of Crooks what more or Tavernier to, to kind of um, the two kind of roles but it is interesting we mentioned earlier with kind of the, the, the type of player that Saliki is and uh, the type of midfielder he is I remember going back to when we were in Devon at the summer and, um, and Neil Warnock was kind of experimenting with the 3-5-2 but only having one holding midfielder and, and asking the second midfielder at the time it was Crooks because Housen was out injured. So he had Morsi uh, holding and, and he was asking Crooks for the Plymouth game, which was his first game, to be uh, a bit more forward thinking, to get forward and to almost leave Morsi alone as the holding uh, midfielder in that system. He wanted them to be a bit more expansive because, as he said to me at the time, he wanted to see if they could deal with that defensively. Um, it was interesting to watch that. And I thought against Plymouth, I thought they did that. And um, and there was almost signs against Blackburn on, on Saturday that, again, that's what they wanted to do. I thought they controlled the midfield and I thought they the, the, the played some lovely stuff as well. Um, so I think if you kind of bring in Saliti's, you know, better skills as a footballer into that midfield with House and as the, the sole hole in midfield, it's it's an interesting dynamic into the midfield that perhaps is something that they have looked at when kind of replacing Morsi with Saliki. Mm. What what is your three five two then? Because I feel like you've just you've got you I, I seen you just looking at that little piece of paper there, you've jotted down. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, as I say, there were so many players. I was kind of, I wrote it down and then thought, God, I've left, I've left this one out, I've left that one out. But I went, Lumley and goal, McNair, Hall and Fry at the back, as you would expect. Dykesdale and Bowler as your wing backs, Housen as your sitter and Saliki just ahead of him. Um, I went with Tavernier in that free Roman role just ahead of, of Housen and Saliki. And then Crooks and Uchi uh, as you as you forward too. So again, I've left out what more. Which uh, it's interesting so. actually, Craig, because I was I was reading one of your articles where um, Warnock was mentioning Thomas Tuchel's five two three, and and he said he yeah. was exciting. So I wonder if that's potentially something that Borough might explore. With sort of it's almost like Uchi and then two uh, attacking midfielders just just um, just mm. behind him. Yeah, that was kind of the the dynamic of the of the three. Like when I have it jotted down there, it's almost like there's there's the main striker, which as you see is Uchi, and then there's what I would call a secondary striker. Um, you know, what more plays there? Sparrow would probably be able to play there, and then there's there's the other role, which is like a number ten, it's your third midfielder. But it's it's that free roaming role, the one that you know Tav absolutely thrives in, um, and and potentially you know Crooks can play there, Piero could probably play there. But I think that's how the 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 the, the dynamic of it works is almost it's a, a three five two you would class it as, but the the midfield three is so interesting and the forward two, uh, it is very kind of dynamic and it can you know very different it can look when you're in possession out of possession, um, yeah it's quite interesting uh, to delve into I think. We we could I mean just double up on the wingers and um, do, do like a, a five a five two three and then just put maybe like Isaiah Jones one one side. Um, then you, in front of him, you could have Ronald Hernandez. Then on the other sides, I'm trying to think of like names. You could put Marcus Brown, even though we haven't even mentioned him today. Um, you've got Watmore there. Oh, God. I mean, Sammy Obiobi probably won't. I don't even know if he's going to play either. So like, um, and then you've got probably got one more. Like who, who else could you put there? Maybe Tav uh, on the other side. Do you know what I mean? So there's there's so many options. You could just double up on the wingers, just go with that way. That might, that might actually be the route to go down, but... I mean, I think that could be potentially a, an interesting route when you're playing. You know, I mentioned Fulham away in the first game of the season, and you want to be a bit more solid at the back. So if you do, if you do that, you double up on your wingers. But actually, your wing backs are, are very much more defensive minded. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw on Saturday against Blackburn how advanced and how positive the wing backs were. But if you were playing one of the stronger sides and you wanted your wing backs to almost, you know, be defenders and and it be a back five almost. Uh, then play as you say with the double wing, have the wingers, and you know in that system, and 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 essentially you know go defensive, have that flat back five, just get the ball as forward as quickly as possible, and hope that forward three can can make things happen. And you know in, in the players that we are talking about now, in that who would be in that forward three, they could make things happen. Mm. Lee Peltier up front. There we go. That'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll sort it out. That'll sort it out. Uh, but we've got we'll like the last two questions. Um, one's from Jake, and he says, "Do you feel more or less excited by the squad now um, than at the end of the January transfer window or summer 2020?" So, are we excited more by the squad now than we haven't done in in previous seasons? Uh, who wants to take it? Tom, do you want to take it? Yeah, I am personally. Um, I, I can't remember who it was who said it earlier, but it, it's it's looking like a more well-balanced squad now and, and players complementing each other. Um, I think at the end of the January transfer window, everyone was excited because we finally got Balassi after, what, three years of trying and got Cabano out of nowhere and then Mendes Lang's coming in and 
we had all these uh, these options going forward, uh, which ultimately didn't pay off. But it, it was kind of an exciting time. Now we've got options going forward, and and, and just hearing everyone kind of talking about the the teams there. There's so many people who have kind of been left out. You're thinking how strong that bench is going to be now. And, you know, we've got players who can change a game. We've got players who can play in different systems. I think it's an exciting time. It really is. It really is. Um, but we'll see how it all gels together. Um, but the final question is from Mike. And I want an answer from all of you for this one. Um, he says, which new signing would you most like to have a palm or with? Um, rest in peace to Manjaro's Pamo. Um, but we'll go for the other one. So, who would you like to have a Pamo with uh, out of the uh, out of the new signings? So, go on. Who wants to go first? Go on, Dom. You can go first. Uh, I, I, I'll go Martin Piero, but I'm I'm taking him to a a North Yorkshire village pub just to show him <laughs> the area, really. So I'm thinking maybe Jet Miners in Great Broughton. Because um, they do a belting Palmo night if you've never been. I think it's a Monday night. Um, so I'll take him there because I think he'd be amazed by. I can just imagine driving over the North Yorkshire Moors and him kind of looking out the passenger seat, stunned by the views and what he's seeing. And then even more stunned when the Palmo gets put down in front of him. So yeah, that's my pick. <laughs> take me off the Yorkshire Moors on a Monday night. I was like, I know where you go on a Monday now. <laughs> no way you are. Uh, Dana, do you want to go next? You know what? I'd probably say Sol Bamba because I just I feel like Sol Bamba is a personality. Um, Bora released uh, the training video um, earlier, and I think there was a, a point where I don't know. It must have the ball must have gone out of play, and then Leo didn't call it. I wasn't looking, and it, and he proper went. He proper went at Leo, um, and then Isaiah Jones was sort of like, "Sol, come on, man." Um, so I, you know what? I'd probably say I'd probably say Sol Bamba. And are you taking him to the North Yorkshire Moors or are you going for like the, <laughs> the scruffiest palm in town? Yeah, go on then. We, we'll uh, we'll do a dom and take him there. So, so you, you, you lot are on too much money. Um, Craig, do you want to go next? Yeah, I'll, I'll go Daniels, actually. Um, it, he's uh, Daniels is a really interesting character. He's, he's probably going to fly under the radar this season unless, uh, you know, Lumley kind of uh, loses his spot somewhat. But um, you, you, I, I, when Daniels first signed, I, I listened to quite a few interviews that he'd done over the time, and he, he seemed to be Daniels the kind of go-to man at Brentford whenever they were doing kind of, you know, poor, uh, pre-match interviews in, in the COVID world and they were doing these, you know, new fancy... Um, you know, kind of Brentford TV, if you like, to before matches. And uh, Daniels just seemed to always be the go-to guy that they'd get on and they described him as like the funniest man at the club. And, you know, he just, he didn't speak like your typical footballer. He he spoke like a fan in the terrace. He he, he sounded mad as, a, mad as a hatter, to be honest with you. And uh, so I think he'd be he'd be excellent to share a palm or a pint with, with Daniels. So, yeah, I'll go with Daniels. Any, any preferred def- destination? It's, it's an added question, um, but we'll go on with it. Well, uh, it'll have to be somewhere in Saltburn for me because that's uh, where my knowledge is best in uh, in the Teesside area. So it would have to be Saltburn for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm just writing down all of your recommendations. So when I go for a palm or next, uh, I know where to go. Um, Tom, where, where are you going? Who are you taking? Say, so, well, I was going to pick Sol Bamba, but Dana's took that one. So I'm going to switch it up a bit and go with the other uh, character from that training video. I'm going to go with Uche. Um, I, th- I think it'd be a laugh and also as you know from Friday nights I try and play a lot like him playing up front so I'll probably ask you him do. for tips for about an hour 
<laughs> anywhere special? Are you taking them anywhere special? Yeah, I've got the Merlin and Billingham. Got the Merlin and Billingham. Um, I will go with um, Mark Baller, I think. Mark Baller, and I'll go, I'll take him to Central Park in, uh, in, in Middlesbrough. Take him for a classy Parmo. Classic. A classic, yeah. You know, you got to do it, haven't you? You know, take a leaf out of Martin Braithwaite's book. You know, look, look, look what happened to him. He's at Barcelona now, so you know what I mean. I love how you made your own rules up there, by the way. What? What do you mean? New signing, Mark Bowler. Oh yeah, new signing, it. Yeah. Ah, oh, I know. Well, he's technically like a new signing, and he's that good now. Um, I'll go with oh, new signing. I'll take um, take Onel Hernandez then. Take him instead. Oh, yeah, table for yeah. three. Still got to take Bowler as well, I think. Yeah, I, mean. I feel like yeah, I feel like Bowler would just be the life of the party, wouldn't he? So yeah. it's like yeah, table for three. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dom. You <laughs> saved me there, and that's it, Dom Craig. Thank you very much for joining us, and Dana and Tom. Thank you for joining me as always. And guys, if you like this podcast, please do give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get found and charted. And last week uh, we were a top thirty UK football podcast. So thank you very much for for giving us a rating and uh, helping us chat. We really do appreciate it. But that's it. Middlesbrough's transfer window is done, but you can expect a few signings to come in the next few weeks. But this was the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was all your transfer news chatter in a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.